Hey friend, and welcome. This is Courageous Radiance Podcast. My name is Brittany Dixon, and I am uber duper excited about you being equipped and anchored in Jesus Christ. That is what this podcast is about, us becoming courageously faithful to follow Jesus Christ and doing that well. I'm so excited for you to hop into this podcast as we, for the whole summer, are talking about the blessed life of the disciple. Let's go. Matthew 5, verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. We are still in the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, finishing up um, the last half of these blessed states, these blessed characteristics that Jesus is teaching to his disciples and thereby he's teaching to us who are reading. And these are inner heart characteristics of those who follow Jesus at this level. It's a picture of what God's desire is for our lives. Not just that we do the things that Christians air quotes should do, but that we live the lives that are honoring to God. And it really is a magnet. It is a, it's an ability to live radiantly and not so someone clicks follow on our profile or not so someone pulls up a chair to sit down to listen to what we have to say as if we're anything, but so that our lives are truly a vessel that shines glory back to Christ so that we are the light And not because we have light, we're light because of Jesus. We're light because we live to emulate him. And then the light that shines and radiates from us, it catches the attention of those who are living in darkness. Those who maybe even have have the light, who are saved, but it's, it's like so dim. It's, it's dull. It's, it's being stuffed at, snuffed out. So it's an encouragement for the believer. It's hope for those who are lost. So we're halfway there, y'all. So as we've all summer been really working through the blessed, the blessed designations that Jesus gives. And there's other things within the New Testament that, that really reflect this blessed life. And even, um, and and we're going to read a part of Deuteronomy today, but even when you think of in Deuteronomy, really chapters 28 through through 31, and there's such this comparison that Moses writes between those who are blessed versus those who are cursed. So this is not a new concept. This is not a, 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 21st century concoction of, of, of what blessed looks like. This is dating, this is just us getting in alignment with the correct Makarios designation of what blessed means. So as I already read, Matthew 7 is where we are. So the first four are really a reflection, really um, a thermostat of our inner heart, of our core faith levels. If going back some some podcasts ago, talking about John Ortberg's core level belief system. And I'm, I really want to wear this out because it, it's such a good analogy in your quick instant moment at, at work, in the car, with your kids, cooking dinner, 
with your friends, etc. It gives you a really quick go to, even if you maybe can't remember scripture, it's just a quick picture and reminder of where are you? What surface level are you? You know, the soil has, I have no idea the names of them, but I do remember halfway in, in science, I was paying more attention to the biology piece, but there's these layers below below the earth of these soil layers the clay level the 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 clay level the 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 soil level the rock level etc and we want to be at the deepest level with Jesus now maybe not for all eyes to see this is an inner secret life so even on on Instagram if you're following me at courageous radiance I'd love for you to I'm talking a lot about secret life and I've had some really great questions about that. And uh, one person had asked uh, what that even means. The, the secret life is your inner life that's found with Jesus. And that secret life, investing our time, investing our... our, our, our I almost want to... It's If I stop here and just remember even my own self. I think I thought that I just had to put on a mask, almost like going to a masquerade ball. I thought that I had to be my air quote best self. And that's all I can let people see. That if I'm honest, that it, that in, in transparent, that that shows weakness, that people need to see that you're strong, you're mighty, you're She-Ra, you can have it all, you can do it all, you can be it all, you can dream, dream, dream. And man, when are the days that you just rest from that? And there was, there just weren't those for me personally. So I think that this inner life is the ability to take off the mask, take off the, it's going to be great. And it's an opportunity to say, this is how I feel. This is a really bad day. I'm really scared. I'm really, this person really angered me. I like I or this situation just sucks. I don't know. Like whatever the verbiage is, it's an opportunity to be honest with you and God. So it's an opportunity to not just throw a carpet over it and and not talk about the elephant in the room. Not talk about this big sin that just happened and you're just brushing right by it. Not talk about these things with God. And it's an opportunity to 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 um, live surrendered. If, if I can one word it, it's, it's a surrendered state. And through that focus of this surrendered state, me not adding anything, just me surrendering, God will slowly transform. The Holy Spirit from the inside out begins to transform us little by little by little. And it gets to a place where then what people do see from the outside is like, oh, you know, have you, I don't know if you've met anybody like that, where it's like something, I haven't seen this person in like a decade, just something's just different about them. I don't know. I can't really quite put my finger on it. And maybe at first you don't even trust it because it is so different than what you're used to. You're like, mm, they kind of just acting it out, but then maybe another encounter and then another encounter. You're like, wow, it's just something different about this person. It's Jesus. It's not anything that they did. It's their surrender. It's actually what they're doing less of that allows them to radiate who Christ is in their lives. So mercifulness. 
we Jesus first talked about the inner heart workings. The core level is what John Ortberg talked about. Core, um, the level above that is the private, and then the level above that is the the public. So again, if you're living in that public state all the time, that masquerade ball of your life of just, you know, think about this movie camera, all of a sudden you see the light go on. Okay, one, two, three, action, go. And this is the level that you live at. It's fake. Maybe so much so that you don't even know what's true. You start to lie to yourself. Like, well, what what is the truth? I forgot. And then the private level is maybe these are things that you actually do think that you're doing well. It's 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 maybe not completely it's dishonest per se. I mean, John Orberg mentions the analogy of Peter. Peter legitimately thought Jesus thought that he was completely committed to Jesus until he wasn't, until the circumstance changed. So we're a hundred percent all in, you know, ten toes down until the storm comes. What happens when the storm comes? What happens when the prayer request does take five years? What happens if the prayer requests just don't happen? What happens if the husband leaves? What happens if the job is gone? What happens when the bank account is empty? What happens if you lose half of your following? What happens? What happens? I mean, all these situational things, right? And that's when you get to see the private life. Like, oh, I really wasn't anchored. You know, I was fickle. And then the core level is the level that Jesus is at. So this first four verses in Matthew 5 one through, um, well, not one, verse three through six. So three, four, five. Yeah. Those are all the reflection of the thermostat of our inner heart, the, the core level, the things that had to happen before we could get to verse seven today, where we're talking about mercifulness. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And Again, Jesus isn't going to tell us things to do without first training and equipping us with steps before. And this is what's so hard, I think, about following God, because it's like, you know, I I want to do it in my strength. And God's like, no, you do it in your surrender. And and it really brings me to a place of exposure Again, that feels weak (laughs) just initially or feels vulnerable. And he's like, great, that's exactly where I'm trying to have you, where you do not depend on you at all. And you show up, you believe you're consistent, you're disciplined, but you're surrendered. So it's one thing for me to say, girl, you better be merciful, 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 like you better, you better like giving you almost like it's an assignment, something to achieve, a goal. And I just, I don't think this is a goal. I mean, it it is in a sense, but it's not something that a random person can say, be merciful on their mirror (laughs) or do a post-it note, be merciful. And you don't have the source of how to be merciful. You ain't got the, you don't have the, the, the thing that shows you how to be merciful and you don't have the power to work it out. You're really only working in self-effort. So the reason that we're merciful is because of Jesus, not because of us. We're, we're, we're really, so this is the part, let me actually go ahead and flip to it, that I wanted to read in Deuteronomy 10. 
chapter 10. And um, where I'm going to pick up and read is, it's going to be a little bit long, sorry, but it's um, verse 12. And now Israel, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you except to fear the Lord your God by walking in all his ways, to love him and to worship the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. Keep the Lord's commands and statutes I am giving you today for your own good. The heavens indeed the highest heavens belong to the Lord your God, as does the earth and everything in it. Yet the Lord had his heart set on your ancestors and loved them. He chose, he chose their descendants after them. He chose you out of all the people as it is today. Therefore, circumcise, circumcise your hearts and don't be stiff-necked any longer. For the Lord your God is the God of gods, the Lord of lords, the, might, the great mighty and awe-inspiring God, showing no partiality and taking no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the resident alien, giving him food and clothing. You are also, you are also, do you hear that? So where's the, where's the example? The verse before, this is what God does. And then here's where you swoop in. You are also, verse 19, to love the resident alien since you were resident aliens in the land of Egypt. You are to fear the Lord your God and worship him, remain faithful to him and take oaths in his name. It's really this, this picture of in, in chapter eight or nine, eight talks about more of that, he, he uses term, Moses uses term about being a stiff necked person and, and really why God set apart Israel, why he picked them, this small, the least likely tribe out of all these other groups of people back then. And, and Moses went on to say that it wasn't because of you. It was because of God and his love for you and the wickedness of these other people. And you yourself are really actually wicked. You yourself fall short. You yourself disobey and are and are rebellious, stiff-necked people. But God is rich in mercy. God is faithful. God, I mean, it's it's a it's a constant um comparison of what we are versus what God is, what we are versus what God is. And that's so important because as we talk about mercifulness, this is an area of struggle for me. So as I'm talking about this, I'm not saying like I've arrived. This is going, this is a lifelong journey because one of my bents is unforgiveness and mercy goes so hand in hand with forgiveness. So this is a question I wrote. Um, why is mercy and forgiveness so hard? I, yes, I mean, so I, again, I confess, I tend to be in my head a righteous judge in my, own, in my eyes. I do. I tend to feel like God just needs to come ask me my opinion. You know, let's do a panel that has welcomed Brittany. Welcome Brittany Dixon to the podcast with God, Jesus, and, and, and Holy Spirit. Okay, Brittany, come on up here. Tell us what you think, right? So, I mean, how I do that in my mind too often where I elevate I think about Isaiah 55, we as a people elevate what we think. And it really shouldn't be what we think. It should be what God thinks. It should really shouldn't be my opinion in me. I should, or, and even if it is my opinion, can I dial my opinion? Can I dotted line cross, you know, if you think about connect the dots, 
I need to, um, living a disciple lifestyle is connecting the dot of your thought, every of every single one of them to scripture, to God and a thought that can't find something else to connect to in the scripture. Then those are the ones that we need to take captive. This is second Corinthians 10. Paul says to take all thoughts captive. I mean, and, and submit it to Jesus, surrender it to Jesus. So you're constantly in this mental battle, this warfield battle, as Joyce Meyer talks about. That's, that's the battlefield. The battlefield is our mind. So we're in this battle mentally. You might be standing here talking to me and not even know that I'm like over here in war on every single thought, taking thoughts captive, sur- surrendering them to God, trying to connect a thought to scripture. So that even if I'm not quoting scripture, I'm connecting the thought to the scripture. And this is important with mercifulness because if I'm this righteous judge, air quote, then who's judging me? Like God, he has no beginning. He has no end. He's, he's from, from, from everlasting to everlasting. So I'm thinking about Psalm 103, I think. And he has no beginning. He has no middle. He has no end. He's forever. He has no creator. He exists in of himself. So me, I have a beginning that started in 1981. You, you have a beginning. My grandparents, right? I mean, everybody has a beginning except for God. So the problem with not with me, I'll speak to me if you are in alignment, but the problem with withholding forgiveness and mercifulness is we're saying we're that eternal everlasting being as well. And and we're not. That's a lie from the enemy. So we are merciful because Christ is merciful to us. So who, who are you? Who, who has the Holy Spirit just pricked your heart about? Who are you withholding mercy from? Who's that person? If you're honest, just, just be honest with yourself. Who are you withholding mercy? And maybe it's a string of people. Maybe it's just so many. But listen, friend, this is where you can truly take this to your quiet time with God and chop it up with him. And he'll start to. And, and let me actually add this. This doesn't mean that you're friends with these people. This doesn't, you know, friendship is not forgiveness. I actually posted that. Like you, this is obedience and this is loving. So my love may not mean that I'm friends with this person. I might not agree with this person. This person might be, you know, just not a good person to to have in my life. But it does mean that I'm not saying that their sins against me, their atrocities against me or against the world are greater than what I do to Jesus all the time. That's the difference. So I can talk about somebody who maybe is not my favorite, but I can still remember that that God died for them, that he hung on the cross for them as much as he does for me. So who have you been withholding mercy from? And it's so important to confess this with God and to, and to shed some light to it so that we're not living in denial. Um, because we really should be broken for the things that align with the brokenness of God. So, you know, if I think about my, my past life, I should, I should have been broken for my fornication, you know, my, me and my boyfriend sleeping together, me and my boyfriend living together, you know, even when I was engaged, living together, sleeping with, with my current husband, I should have been broken at the same level than I am for people who are gays and lesbians and transgender and all the other 
pronoun letters that I really don't know. That changed every five seconds, I feel. So I should be broken at the same degree that I am for them. I should be broken as much for my little lies <laughs> that nobody knows except for God and me. As much as I am for the, the person who cheats on their, their wife, cheats on their taxes, I should be broken as much for my sins that I, in my air quote, lies and righteousness, self-righteousness, which is flaw, I should be as, as broken for the, the equivalent of the thorn, of the, the crown of thorns that I've placed on Jesus's head. Or when I think about he was pierced for my transgressions, pierced on his side, I should be as broken about my air quote little sins that don't hurt anybody. I pay my taxes. I'm a good air quote, good person. I'm good to my kids. I show up to work. I do. And I do like all these, I serve in the church. I'm a good person, right? I should be as broken for the, the flaw in that as I am for the bigger sins that I've created, that I feel are bigger sins that are equivalent for Hitler or anybody, or, you know, the, the genocide in Rwanda, the people who back that, right? So I should be as broken for these things that I think incurred Christ, the thorn in his hands or his, or his feet, as it is for the, for the, the air quote, mild things that I, my transgressions cause. Like Jesus is not like, oh, thank you. I only had to wear a thorn of, of, of a crown thorn for you. It still hurt. It still cost him. I don't care if he had to stub his, if his toe was stubbed or if his elbow was bumped and bruised, whatever I've costed him, I've costed him. And let's be clear. I costed him the, the, the nails as well. It's just that we lie to ourselves. That's that private level. But when we go down to the core, let's be honest. We costed Jesus his life. I mean, he surrendered it before. I mean, so it's not like he did it because we asked. He surrendered it willingly. But y'all, that level of love, that level of surrender, that level of lordship should motivate us even to the most annoying, difficult person that we can think of, whoever it is that you're thinking of right now, to be merciful to them to that level. The last scripture I want to read is Romans 3, 23 through 24. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. They are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is, that is in Christ Jesus. So you sin, I've sinned. You've fallen short, I've fallen short. We need God's grace. And it was found on a cross by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, friend, as you go off this week and are finding whoever the Lord is pointing your heart to, to be merciful, I pray that you are empowered and do that well. So have a great week and I will see you here next week as we pick up for verse 8.